Well, if you will take your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 18. As has been the case, we'll be looking at a variety of different Proverbs today, but that's where we will be today starting out. Proverbs chapter 18. I want to read one verse and then pray. Proverbs 18, verse 24. That's what we read. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that your word is true and that it is sure. Father, we thank you that you speak into our lives and that you give us what we need. And Lord, this morning, especially as we contemplate this, the teaching that we have before us concerning relationships and friendships, being a good neighbor, etc., Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what you call us to be as your people. So, Lord, would you give us understanding? Would you, by your Spirit, make us more like Christ? It's in his name we pray. Amen. When we think about relationships, we know relationships are important. Indeed, it's part of who we are. You have to have some kind of relationship to others in life. This is how God wired us to be, even for those of us who tend to be more introverted. You, too, were created for relationship and capacity for connection with others. And when you think about what we teach on in the church, there there are tons of sermons we've heard, messages, books we've read, uh, talks that have been given, Bible studies that have been written and given on parenting, marriage, family, dating, leadership, how we relate to our coworkers, on and on we could go. I mean, I think about just the the, the vast array of material that's out there on these subjects and how helpful it is for us to think about what a Christian ought to be in light of those contexts. But one of the things that I have found is that there's been very little preached and very little written on the topic of friendship. What does the Bible call us to be as a friend? And when you think about it, when you especially read through the book of Proverbs and other places in the Bible, the Bible has quite a bit to say about this topic of friendship. I mean, friendship is something that we all desire. Again, even for the most introverted of people, persons, you long to have friendship. And we know that through experience, that friendship can often be difficult to find. There are many reasons why that's the case. There are many challenges that make finding true friendship difficult. And while things like travel and technology have made it easier to remain connected with some of our friends, there are still a number of factors, including technology, that make pursuing friendship very difficult. Pastor Kevin DeYoung wrote an article some time ago entitled The Gift of Friendship and the Godliness of Good Friends. And he identified several factors in that article that often hinder our friendships. These are some of the things that he said. These are things that, that make it difficult on us to have 
healthy relationships with others. One, he said, we're extremely mobile, rarely settling down in one spot for very long. Two, we're consumed by family life, pouring almost all our spare time into our children and whatever's left into our spouse. Third, he said we're deceived by email and Facebook, imagining that we have hundreds of spectacular relationships when actually we have a lot of well-wishers and acquaintances and actually very few flesh-and-blood friends. Another point he made was that we're entranced by one-way relationships, expending emotional energy as we bond with our favorite sitcom actor, sports star, American Idol contestant, on and on we can go. Like these one-way relationships. So when you think about it, we could keep going. There's a lot that's going against us when it comes to pursuing true friendship, not to mention our demanding work schedules and the fact that we just live crazy busy lives. And somewhere in the midst of all of that, we, we, we're called to scrape around to find time to actually build healthy, meaningful friendships. The truth is that many of us desire lasting friendships. And yet, when we look around at any particular point in our lives, for the vast majority of us, the number of our true friends will be very few. A lot of acquaintances. I don't care how many hundreds of thousands of friends you have on Facebook. The fact of the matter is, is that we will have, and think about it, it's impossible to have deep, healthy, meaningful relationships with 200 people. Just by the very nature of living in a fallen world, living in the life that we do, we're going to always have very few deep-rooted friendships, but we need to make those count. And there's a lot that's stacked against us that even make those difficult to find. So then, how should we think about friendship? Proverbs has a lot to say. And while Proverbs may not help you find friends, what it will do is it will help you be a better friend. And that's really what I want to, that's the perspective I want to come from this morning. This is not a sermon on 10 steps to find a good friend. I'm sure there's a book written on that somewhere. You can go read that, and if it's helpful, great. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at God's Word, and I want us to understand from the Bible of what God calls us to be as a good friend to others. And I think that's where we all need to start. I think too often we look around us and we start at the wrong place. We're looking around us waiting for people to befriend us when in fact the, the weight of the, the, the teaching of Scripture is placed upon our own shoulders in, in, in that it calls us to live in a way that, that is friendly toward others. So as we consider what the Bible has to say about friendships, we want to look at it first and foremost asking the question, what kind of friend am I to other people? That's what we want to think through this morning as we think about the biblical teaching of friendship. So we're going to consider four actions we need to take as we strive to be a faithful friend to other people. Four actions that we need to take as we strive. These are biblical actions. Four actions we need to take as we strive to be faithful in our friendships. Listen, your responsibility 
is your responsibility. You're not responsible as, as to how other people may or may not react or respond to you. Although, how you live may impact how they respond to you. What you're responsible for under God, under, under the, the stewardship that he's given you in your life, is how you relate and how you connect to other people. What kind of friend are you? Question it, and we should never start, what kind of people are others around me? No, the question is, who are you? What kind of friend are you? And that's really what we want to pursue. Four actions we're called to take as Christian people in the context of our friendships. Number one, first and foremost, we need to value the importance of friendship. Uh, that may be stating the obvious, but I don't want to, I don't want to run too far ahead before this, this, this idea that we actually need to to think about friendships as being something that's important and biblically informed. Friendships are a blessing from God, and thus there's something to value. True friendship has been one of the most sought-after gifts that, that, that mankind has been given. We've all enjoyed and benefit, benefited at some point in our life from close relationships. There, there are relationships I have today. Some of my dearest friends, I won't talk to them for six months. And when we're together at a conference or somewhere down the road at, at some event or, or we're visiting, it's like we've ne- we pick right up where we left off last time. That's what I'm talking about. That kind of relationship where you have that kind of connection. And we need to value this as a gift from God. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? We know that friendships can be difficult to find. Faithful people can be difficult to find. So my point is, don't be so focused on the difficulty to find them. Be one. Be one. You see, I think sometimes we, we settle for something less than what God has in mind as we think about valuing friendships. We're happy to connect with someone as long as they make us feel good about ourselves, but really doesn't have any good in mind for us. There are a couple of things we need to keep in mind as we seek to rightly value friendships. Number one, we need two errors we need to, to, um, to avoid. First of all is the error of isolation. The error of isolation. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Listen, God did not create you, me or us, to live in isolation. Now some of us are quite content doing that. You, you imagine, some of you, imagine your best day is if you have to go to work, you go to work, you tolerate the people there, you come home, you pull in your garage, you shut the garage door, you turn on Netflix, you, you eat your meal, you do whatever it is in your house with the people that may or may not be in your house, and you're happy. To think that you've got to interact with someone else is just exhausting to you. Well, God didn't create you to be that way. It may be more difficult for you to, to want to engage. He created us for friendships, to, to connect in community. And, and I think that our Facebook culture has only perpetuated this kind of mindset. After all, you can have friends, but they don't really require, require a lot of investment, do they? 
Those are the best friends to have, right? I mean, I've got 700 friends on Facebook and no investments. That's just the culture in which we live. Listen, isolation is dangerous for your soul. We need to create capacity. And so this point's really more directed to those of us who, who tend to withdraw from people. This is just a little exhortation to, to, to be reminded that you're to be moving towards people, creating capacity in your life for healthy friendships. Listen, I, I don't pretend at all to think that those are easy to find. It's exhausting. But that's what we're called towards. We're called not towards isolation, but towards healthy relationships with others. So there's the error of isolation, something to be avoided for sure. There's also the error of idolatry. Now, while some of us need to ask the Lord to help create capacity in our lives for others, we value friendships, therefore we need to pursue them, some of us put too much weight on them. Just like anything else, seeking friendship can become idolatrous. If you're tempted to think that you absolutely have to have a friendship, particular friendship, or, or your identity somehow is, is teetering on the number of friendships you have, then it's likely become an idol in your life. If you're tempted to find your identity in friendships, and you must have this one friendship, or, or you're going to, you just can't imagine life without it, then you've taken, you've taken something good and made it ultimate. We can do that with anything in life. You can take good things and they can become idols. So don't turn your friends or the pursuit of friends into an idol. Value friendship as a gift of God. Understand that he created us for relationship. We know that that's true in the family and etc. But, but God's created us for relationship with others, for, to have friends. So, need to value that. Number two, we need to embrace the responsibility of friendship. Embrace the responsibility of friendship. You know, when you consider the gift of friendship, our thoughts immediately go outward. We think about those around us, the friends we have or the friends that we don't have or the friends we wish we had or or the friends we used to have, etc. We tend to think who our friends are, who's friendly toward us and who isn't. But again, while that's important, we need to think through those things, that's really not the place we should start. The place we should start is thinking of what God has called us to be, of how good of a friend we are to others. A lot of people's response to you will be dictated on how faithful and kind and generous you are to them. Listen, real friends are not found in quantity. They are found in quality. And that's what we want to pursue. And so I think the younger you are, the more pertinent that is. The older you get, the more you realize that. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many friends you have. It's, it matters how, how solid and how deep your friends are and how, how, how deep they go with you. Now, the Bible highlights several important characteristics of what a good friend looks like. And that's what I want us to consider for the next few minutes. As we embrace the responsibility of friendship, several things that, that we need to think through. Again, these are, I want you to approach this list in two ways. One, I want you to think through this list as traits to look for in others as you are pursuing relationships. 
But most importantly, I want you to think through this list and to make sure that by God's grace that these are true in your life. Okay, These, the, the, these things are, are, are evident in your life. Let's, let's think through them together. Number one, a true friend is faithful. A true friend is faithful. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. You know, I think so many of our so-called friendships would probably better fall under the category of acquaintances. Listen, true friends are rare. Understand that. True friends are rare. And there, there could be different levels or categories probably of friendships, but a, a, true, a true friend is a rare find. Proverbs 20 verse 6 makes that clear. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Implying there the rarity that a faithful friend truly is. And it's okay to have, have our networks. It's okay to have acquaintances. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's not, not bad at all. I think it's part of living life. But listen, only a friend remains with us for the long haul. Nowhere is that more evident than in times of adversity. This is what Proverbs 17, 17 is getting at. Listen, if you want to see who your true friends are, then simply look around you to who's still standing beside you when you go through a significantly difficult time. Fake friends run when hard times come. True friends stay. Notice he says in verse 17 of chapter 17, even more than a brother. So a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Listen, a brother or family members, we could say, they're kind of stuck with you, right? They're kind of the default category. They're, they're the default people that are in your life for good. They're, there's a, we could do a series on family. It's a good thing. But they're, they're there to see you through. A friend isn't stuck with you. A friend chooses you. And they choose to remain. A true friend knows who you really are and does not walk away. Now, think about that in your own life. Does that level of faithfulness show itself to be true in you? As you get to know other people, and as you get to know their quirks and their flaws and their, their things that annoy you and, and things that bother you about them and, and hardship that comes into our life, are you prone to kind of just say, I'm, I'm out when it, when it gets a little dicey? Are you more prone to, to love at all times? A true friend is faithful. Second attribute of True friendship is a true friend sharpens. Listen, being a good friend means that you will seek to do your friends good. And vice versa. Proverbs 27 verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, this is not instruction or permission for us to recklessly go saying all kinds of things 
to your friends. Whatever comes to mind, just recklessly saying it. Wounding them. Let me see what, just how, how I can wound somebody today with my words. Visit sermon from last week. But we often need to say things to our friends that initially wound, but with the goal of helping bring healthy change in their lives. I heard one pastor put it this way, that our, that our words to our friends should at times hurt them but not harm them. Hurt but not harm. You want to be such a friend, and you want, this, you, you want this kind of friend in your life. Listen, if you have a friend that is unwilling to say hard things to you for your good, they're not really a friend. A true friend will say things and speak truth into your life in a way that helps you. And listen, we need friends, not friends that will flatter us. We need friends that will refine us. So what the Bible is talking about. Proverbs 27, verse 17, iron, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. This is what we need. We need sharpening. We need, we need refining. And God providentially will, will bring friendships into our path so that that can happen in that context. And you, friends, need to be that kind of friend. You need to be that kind of friend for others. Not judgmental, not always walking around to see if you can, you can point out flaws and sins in people's lives, but you need to be willing when, when it's appropriate to speak truth into relationships. This is, this is why the best friendships are based on the gospel. The best friendships are gospel-centered friendships because you're seeking to do each other good in the Lord. I'm not saying it's wrong to have friends of, with non-Christians. Just be wise about that. It's best, your best friendships will be godly friendships. Because we're seeking to do each other good in the Lord. Which leads me to number three, a, a true friend encourages. In Proverbs 27 verse 9, Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Again, having friends around us that, that counsel us wisely. Your strongest and healthiest friendships, relationships are going to be those built on the gospel where those in your life are leading you and pushing you toward Christ, not pulling you away. Friends that give us unhelpful counsel or that drive us away from Jesus are not relationships you should spend much time pursuing. Last week we talked about the use of our words. A faithful friend will use his or her words in a constructive way that seeks to build you up in Christ. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that such as is good for building up. This is what friends do. They, they speak truth into you. Sometimes it's, it's wounds. It's, it's like a sharp blade coming in. But it's for your good. It's to do you good in Christ. Proverbs 13 verse 20 speaks along these lines as well. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. A wise friend may hurt you, but a foolish companion will harm you. 
Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. That's the kind of friends you want. You want wise friends who understand the gospel, who understand God's call on our life. They're not perfect themselves, but they understand the way of righteousness, and they're able to encourage you and to spur you along in that walk. But the companion of fools, the friend of a fool, you're going to suffer much harm. Again, your best and deepest relationships are those built on the gospel. Listen, a friendship will never be neutral. You can, you can count on that. A friend, friends that you have right now, think about that, none of them are neutral. They will either push you towards Christ or they will drag you away. None of them are neutral. None of them. Now, some may push you faster towards Christ than others, but are they pushing you? Are they encouraging you? Or is it a healthy context where you're walking with someone who is wise? Or do you tend to find yourself more enslaved in patterns of sin and apathy and complacency around the gospel when you're around these people? The friendship will either bring you down or it will push you up. And you should consider that about your own heart. Do you seek to be a friend that encourages? Do you seek to be a friend that builds up? Are you, or are you always wanting are you one of those that, that's just kind of like a, like, a, like a drain, just always wanting somebody to, to fill in you, and, and you're never willing to give back? This is what we're called to be. We're called to be people who engage in relationships to build up, to encourage, to be a friend, that pers- to be that wise friend that walks in wisdom so that you can encourage and help others do the same. Number four, a true friend forgives. A true friend forgives. Listen, it's inevitable that you're going to be hurt in just about any human relationship you have. You're not always on the receiving end, though, are you? There are times where you are the one doing the hurt. It may not be good hurt, as we talked about earlier. Proverbs 24, verse 28 and 29 says, Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Listen, a true friend does not hold a grudge, does not keep a list of wrongs. A faithful friend is quick to forgive and eager to overlook faults. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. If you want to do damage to your friendships, just go back and rehearse conflict of the past, especially if you've moved on. Speaking of conflict, often when we have a conflict with a person, a friend, have you noticed that the temptation is to talk about that conflict with all kinds of people except that person? Listen, if you have a grievance with someone, a friend, a family member, go to that person. Talk with them. Notice Proverbs, this is 
I'll give you a proverb for this one. Proverb 25, verse 9. Argue your case with your neighbor himself, and do not reveal another's secret, lest he who hears you brings shame upon you, and your ill repute have no ends. Listen, true friends know how to handle conflict. They know how to forgive. They know how to confess. They know how to own their own sin in a matter. Is that you? Are you quick to acknowledge your own sins? Are you quick to acknowledge your own struggles and your own faults, your own shortcomings, your own contribution maybe to a conflict with a friend? Are you quick to own that? Are you quick to ask for forgiveness without the but attached to it? One T, B-U-T. I'm sorry for this, but had you not acted that way, I wouldn't have done that. No. Are you willing to just own your sin with people, with your friends, to say, listen, I was a fool. I was not encouraging to you. I lied to you. On and on we can go and just ask them for forgiveness. This is what we're talking about. This is what a true friend does. A true friend doesn't hold grudges. A true friend doesn't ignore their own sin. They take the log out of their own eyes, Jesus says, before they deal with the speck that's in the other. A true friend extends forgiveness and asks for forgiveness. So these are just four. We could list others. A true friend is faithful. A true friend sharpens. A true friend encourages. And a true friend forgives. Third point I want us to look at, though, is how to avoid the mishandling of friendships. You could just go to those and just kind of look at the alternate or the the obvious uh, sin that could be implied um, through those four. But I want us to I want us to consider these separately. Avoid the mishandling of friendships. I think that there's much good that comes from being a, a faithful friend. But listen, there's always ways we can ruin friendships. And here they are. Number one, don't be a fake friend. Don't be a fake friend in Proverbs 19, verse 4, and then again in verses 6 and 7. This is what we read. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by a friend. Many seek the favor of generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. You know, there's this temptation about us, isn't it, strangely enough? There's this temptation for us to kind of buddy up with people that we may think kind of can help us out a little bit. Maybe they've got some money. And all of a sudden you see, wow, it'd be great to be their friend. Maybe you see them as a means to an end. Maybe you see them as, a, as an opportunity. Hey, they can help me get this. that temptation in us, isn't it? It's really easy to be a fake friend. It's easy. Fake friends use people. They use people to get what they want, whether that's money, access to somebody or something, power, popularity, favor. Fake friends use people. We see it all the time, don't we? Don't see someone as a means to an end. 
See someone for who they truly are as God made them in his image, in need of the same Savior that you have, and love them. Pour your life into them for who they are, not for what they can give you. Don't be a fake friend. You should never pursue a friendship with someone simply because of what they may be able to provide you materially. You should pursue relationships, though, with someone that can give you something spiritually. Big difference. Number two, don't be a negative friend. Proverbs 3, verse 29 and 30, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Proverbs 11, verse 12, whoever belittles his neighbor, a lot of times Proverbs uses friend and neighbor kind of interchangeably. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. No one likes a friend who is constantly critical or negative. We know we've, we've all had that friend before, haven't we? You just can't do anything right. You always do it the wrong way. Do you tend to be that way? Always pointing out the error, always pointing out the flaw, always pointing out the, the, the sin of someone else. No one likes a friend who is constantly critical or negative. Listen, super critical people have a very difficult fi- time finding and keeping friends. Again, you should never approach a relationship with the intention of, of seeing how well you can come out in it. Always tearing people down. Sometimes the best thing you can do as a friend is practice what we talked about last week with the tongue. Use restraint. Friends will do things that bother you. And sometimes there's a time to speak. And other times there's a time to remain silent. There's a time to use restraint. They may do. They will do something that will not settle well with you. We're not called to be little or to be critical about everything that they do. Don't be a negative friend. Number three, don't be an annoying friend. This is a good one. Don't be annoying. Like I said, there are going to be times even when your closest friends irritate you. Right? I know you've never irritated anyone. They're always the ones irritating you, right? None of us are exactly alike there are a lot of things that are going to annoy you but if you're building a friendship based upon how how um, similar you are again you're going to have a very difficult time keeping relationships a couple of things to keep in mind so not to annoy we, we could talk about how people annoy us but here are some things for you and for me so that we would not be prone to annoy others number one we need to know our place Know our place. In Proverbs 25, verse 17, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Now, this is not a text to discourage the regular practice of hospitality. That's a biblical thing. Of course, we're called to be hospitable and to engage in in time together. It's merely a warning, though, not to wear out your welcome. Don't be overbearing or intrusive. Respect others' time. Don't let that cause you to to kind of go to the opposite extreme, though, where you isolate yourself and you never engage them. Just know your place. Know that, hey, there's there's time to be with friends and there's time not to be with friends. 
Number two, know your personality. Proverbs 27, verse 14 is one of my favorites. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Those of you who know me very well, I've counted some of your loud, strong, boisterous voices early in the morning as cursing. I'm not a morning person. Just simply a reminder of we need to know our friends good enough not to come off as obnoxious. You don't want to get to a point in a relationship where, where you're, when you speak, they're just always, oh. Don't be annoying. Number four, don't be a dishonest friend. Proverbs 3, verse 27 and 28, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Your word as a friend ought to be trusted. If you can't be trusted with your word, then you will not make for a very good friend with others. A peop- people will not want to be your friend if, if, if your word is constantly not proven true. Your word should mean something as a friend. Avoid lying, avoid deception. Understand that we are called to speak truthfully, to not hide the truth from others. So these are the ways that, some of the ways, not all, but some of the ways we can avoid mishandling friendships. Don't be fake, don't be negative, don't be annoying, don't be dishonest. You can compare and contrast them with a lot of the things that we're called to do positively. Again, these are just a few things that we see in the book of Proverbs. But I want us to, to focus now on, on the last point, and that is where we're called to delight in the greatest friendship. Delight in the greatest friendship. I'm sure you've, you've encountered an array of friends throughout your, the course of your life. You've found friends that are friends for a lifetime. Others you've connected with but have since moved on. You've relocated for a variety of reasons. You've moved on. I, you know, I don't want to discourage teenagers, but the people I went to high school with, I, I don't have any relationship with today. And so you move on. You've had some great friends, and you look back and cherish those friendships, but you've moved on. And some of those, maybe you've maintained through the years, and praise God for that if you have. Some of you found out the hard way that what you thought was a friend wasn't really a friend at all. They were the fake friend. They were the one seeking to use you for something. They didn't really care for you. They cared for them. But the truth is, is that every single one of us can leave here today knowing that there is indeed a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In the, in the Gospel of John in chapter 15, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Brothers and sisters, you will find no greater or higher quality of friendship than the one you will find in Jesus Christ. We're told that he laid down his life for his friends. He took upon himself 
the full burden of our sin and shame so that we can walk in fellowship with him. You see, whereas before, sin separated us from God, separated us from Christ. we, We could not have a relationship with him. But Jesus came and bore the burden on Calvary's tree, taking upon himself the full penalty and judgment for our sin so that that relationship that was broken by our sin could be restored. We could be reconciled with God. The true glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God befriends his enemies. At the end of the day, that's the only friendship you need. You can have thousands of friends in this world and miss that friendship and you've missed it all. It is true, Jesus is much more than our friend. I used to be hesitant to use that. I just thought it kind of brought him down a little too much. You read the Bible, though, it's the language that the Bible uses. I didn't didn't want Jesus to kind of be like my buddy. You know, he's he's the king of the universe. He he created the world. He upholds the world. He's like the sovereign ruler. And I didn't want to, to, you know, I was often trying to, I don't want to bring him down too low, but, but he is a friend. Friend that laid down his life for me. And while he is much more than our friend, he is no less than a friend. And once you become the beneficiary of his gracious work, you can rest assured that you will have an eternal friend that will never be fake, a friend who will never forsake you, even in your darkest moments, a friend who will always speak what is true, and a friend that can always be trusted. This is what we have in Christ. Reconciliation. God showing himself that he is indeed the friend of sinners. And brothers and sisters, let that friendship with Christ be the foundation of our friendships with one another. To read the fuller passage that Jesus said there in John Chapter 15, I want to begin in verse 13 again. He said, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Then he says to his disciples, you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. You hear what Jesus just said? He just said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. I laid down my life for you to make you friends so that we can be friends and so that you can love one another. It's the gospel coming to make us friends with the king of the universe. And through that relationship now, we can love one another. We can befriend each other in a very clear and intentional manner that bears much fruit. I would even go as far to say, brothers and sisters, that without the gospel, without the gospel, true friendship would be impossible to find. So we need the gospel. If you want to be a good friend, 
You need to be a friend of Jesus. You become that by understanding who he is and what he came to do, understanding that God befriended us through him, that he died in our place and that he brought about himself the, the full judgment of our sin that was due and died and yet was raised from the grave, showing his power and victory over sin and death once and for all. He ascended to the Father's right hand and he's coming again. This is who Jesus is. He came to do that for you. And he came to do that so that through the relationship you have with him, that you can also be led by the Holy Spirit to be in a good and lasting relationship with others. We know that finding good friendships can be difficult. And the way that we all live out our lives in this day and time doesn't seem to be making it easier. But brothers and sisters, because of the friendship we have with our Savior, let us not grow weary. Let us not grow weary in doing good. And certainly, let us not grow weary in being a faithful friend. Proverbs 20, verse 6 again. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. A faithful man who can find. Brothers and sisters, let us be that faithful man, that faithful woman. Let us be that faithful one that by the grace of God loves and cares for those around us for their good and for his glory. Let's pray together. Lord, we are reminded yet again of your kindness to us in the gospel. We're reminded of how you have loved us and how you have pursued us. The gospel is not about man pursuing you, it is about God pursuing sinners. And Lord, even in that alone, we see a pattern that should shape and inform even how we think about our relationships. We shouldn't wait around waiting for those that, that may or may not pursue us, but Lord, we're called to be faithful friends, even if it's not reciprocated. So Lord, would you inform us this morning, would you shape us, would you, would you transform our hearts that we would be found faithful, that we would be faithful friends. Father, would you forgive us when we have been a foolish friend? Would you forgive us, Lord, when we have been selfish and prideful and arrogant? Maybe we were seeking a relationship for our own benefit and not for the benefit of someone else. Father, maybe we've been the one that's been constantly critical unwilling to forgive. Maybe we've been the one that's been annoying and distracting. God, would you have mercy upon us and would you forgive us of being that way? And would you change us? And would you lead us by your grace to be a faithful friend? And Lord, would you, not, would you help us never to lose sight of the the friend that Jesus is to sinners, knowing that because of him, we have everything that we need. That that friendship, that eternal friendship, is one that, we, that we've been given freely by your grace. Not because we deserved it, but because you loved us. And Father, would you help that in turn shape, of how we shape our minds and our hearts and how we pursue others. Not because they deserve it, but because we care for them and that we love them. Lord, help us to be faithful friends for your glory. We pray in Christ's name.
Amen.